Have you been waiting long? Long? Only 33 years. Quentin Barnes. But that's impossible. He's dead. I was. But as you can see, I'm back. Oh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we watch another episode of Highlander the series and talk about it in detail. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And welcome to episode three, Turnabout. It's fair play, I hear. This episode was originally aired on October 11th, 1993. It was directed by Clay Barris. We remember him from the episode The Watchers. This is his second episode of Highlander. Uh, The writer of this was David Tynan. Um, we heard a lot about him from our interview with David Abramowitz. He was yeah. a huge fan of him. Uh, he gave him a lot of credit for where the series went. Um, he did 33 total episodes wow. of Highlander the series, which is a lot. He That's also a lot of eps. Yeah. yeah uh, previously, we've seen him write The Sea Witch, which we enjoyed, I think. Yeah, that was a big uh, one. He also wrote it. Eyewitness. Uh, not so much uh, he was uh, eventually a producer on this show so this is written by david tynan he's got Uh, a talent for brutality guest stars this one's uh kind of a guest star in this one but will become a series regular uh we've got philip aiken he's actually in the opening credits for this one oh that's right yeah uh charlie DeSalvo. he has a ton of imdb credits i think he's he's got got like 159 credits yeah um i remember watching him in swamp thing uh, on the Family Channel, uh, he was Bayou Jack. Oh, Bayou Jack! Um, but also, he was Bishop. Yeah, in the X Men. In the X Men, I was just rewatching. My mind, no way. Yeah, yeah. my awesome. mind was blown when Absolutely. I saw that. Yeah, so pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I thought was crazy when I was looking through his IMDb credits, uh, he also played a character called Simon Clark in Highlander: The Raven. What? And it's like, hold on, we've seen this ha- happen before in Highlander, where they'll where, where they'll take a guest star and be like, oh, we'll just use him again, and it's like. I guess fine. They were like a very small bit part. We'll cast them again. You probably don't notice. I usually wouldn't. Charlie DeSalvo is a main character in season two. And then they cast him in The Raven? I don't remember the episode he was in. As a different character. What? That's crazy. That's whack. Weird. Uh, The other guest star is Garant Wynn Davies uh, as Michael Moore. Slash Barnes. <laughs> yeah. I when they finally revealed that his last name is Moore, I laughed out loud. I yep. did too. The also the other thing is he kind of looks like a skinny Michael Moore, like with the big glasses. Well, when they reveal his my name, notes, just say he looks like <laughs> Billy from Power Rangers. <laughs> oh, so I just yeah. I just write, I just referred to him as Billy. <laughs> my notes. When they re- revealed his name was Michael Moore, I could not just help imagining Michael Moore with a split personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Quinton Barnes Insurance Company. 
companies. <laughs> uh, but this guy, he actually, we've talked about the show Forever Night a lot. Uh, hmm. This guy is Forever Night. This, oh. this is the star, Nick Knight of Forever Night. Nick at Knight. Uh, but also, he was on the short-lived action show Tracker with Adrian Ooh. Paul. Uh, which aired after Highlander ended, uh, like in 99, 2000, maybe 2000, I want to say. Uh, and he was the villain, Zinn, in that episode. And that was, that was a sh- Or in, in that show. Uh, that was a show about Adrian Paul being a essentially like alien bounty hunter. He's uh, Lobo. Yeah, I guess so. So the episode description for this episode is Duncan takes on... Tra- <laughs> this is the way this opens up. Duncan takes on Charlie DeSalvo to prove he's good enough to at martial arts to work out at the dojo. <laughs> is that the entire thing? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> D- <laughs> D- <laughs> Duncan tells... Dawson tells Duncan that Quentin Barnes is free and killing mortals, but Duncan refuses to get involved. Then Duncan's old friend Michael Moore turns up (laughs) (laughs) to try to convince an insurance company to turn over a liver. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Determined to take Barnes' head. In in flashback, Michael was unable to save his mortal girlfriend, Jeanette. Barnes beats Duncan to the priest who attended his ex- ex- execution. This is so long. And yeah. Duncan tries frantically to prevent more killings. Great. Fail. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we open on the execution mentioned in that IMDb opening. Yeah. Where this man shrouded in darkness is about to be executed and a priest is in fact there. Mm-hmm. And the executionee <laughs> rips the... Uh, rips his crucifix off or his rosary or whatever right yep. and this guy's pretty sadistic uh like he's cackling while they're mm-hmm. killing him uh and he has a mustache uh so that's our kind of like cold open uh and then we cut to and he gets electrocuted on the electric chair should we say that I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah i, I mustache you where you will spend eternity is where they <laughs> was what the priest says to him oh my God. without the mustache pound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so then we cut to DeSalvo's Martial Arts Gym, and it's got a sign on the wall that says, The for building is for sale. sale. Duncan and Richie walk into mm-hmm. this gym, and we get treated to this amazing dialogue from Richie, as he's been doing every single episode. He's giving us gem after gem. Yep. Great. Tattoos, triple X chromosomes everywhere you look. It's like watching a great kung fu. Yeah, I can get used to this. It's an art, Richie. <laughs> triple X chromosomes everywhere you look. You look pretty DeSalvo's, Jim. <laughs> you look pretty but, chromosomes. <laughs> is this like some weird kind of like, I don't know, Down syndrome thing? What is this about? The triple, is it just that it's a bunch of dudes? That they're or? so masculine. <laughs> well, did anyone see the movie Triple X with uh, Vin Diesel? Or the one with Ice Cube. Or the one with Ice Cube. Is that anything to do with this? I think so. All right. Yeah, all, they all exist all in the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know what triple X chromosomes means. I don't get I'll assume it. it means extra tough guy. Yeah, yeah. that's what I The extra X is for extra tough. tough. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just like the, the first X, two X's, though. Uh, just like on the it's internet. It's actually triple distilled. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the X in X-Men is for an extra power, according to Stan Lee. But yep. What are the existing pre-existing powers? Opposable thumbs? I uh, guess. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have to ask Stan the man. <laughs> Uh, Excelsior! <laughs> True believers? The, I guess, proprietor of this gym, Charlie, comes over. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, who invited you, bozos? Like, yeah. Uh, so I guess this is an invite-only private gym. Also, his reception, yeah, his reception of That's these two people might be a great indication as to why this place is going out of business. <laughs> right. 
So, hey, who are you? Fuck yourself. Why are you here? <laughs> so, Richie, hey, get out. <laughs> Richie gives him some shit for this attitude and brings yep. up that exact point that, yep. like, hey, uh, business must be booming, like, <laughs> yeah. if it's for sale. But he's like, sorry, guys, like, you know, you can't join. And Duncan's like, well, why don't you just invite me to join? And yeah. then I can join. And Charlie's like, no. But then he has an idea. He's like, you have to pass, pass an initiation. Like, this is like the skull and bones. Jim. Like, <laughs> so I guess the initiation is to fight. You have to Kung Fu Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Fighting Charlie. So, so is he Kung Fu Charlie now? <laughs> Kung, Kung Fu, Fu Charlie. Charlie. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Kung Chuck for short. That's right. Oh, God. That sounds awful. It does. <laughs> yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> Kung Chuck. <laughs> so they go at it. Yep. Uh, Mac lo- does his kitty claws. Yeah. He gets some kitty cat hands. He's like, where? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kitty cat technique yep. and kicks Charlie in the face a couple times. Like, yeah. This is a pretty brutal like spar they have here. The only time Duncan takes a hit is when he notices that Joe has also walked into this members only jacket <laughs> of a <Yeah>. gym <laughs> and and like gets distracted and then decked. Right. Yep. So eventually Duncan beats Charlie. Yep. Uh, and he submits or whatever. And then like it's kind of over. So I guess like Richie doesn't have to pass the initiation. Lucky for Richie. Yeah. I think Mac passes it for both of them. Of course. Uh, So then Duncan just takes it upon himself to, like, go into Charlie's (laughs) office. To stake out, like, Charlie's office. And Joe joins him in there for a meeting. It's like, what? Like, yeah. Uh, he actually that, that was a fight for ownership of the gym. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Joe is there to tell him that an immortal by the name of Quentin Barnes, who was mm-hmm. executed thirty years ago, is back at it. Is back. So two things that this like I had like red flags. I was like, oh, thirty years ago. Like I guess that opening scene we saw was a flashback. I didn't initially pick up on that. Like I guess looking back on it, there's like some clues. Like I guess the way they're dressed is a little older, but it's like not it's overt. really no, no, not at all. Like especially yeah. for like a show that doesn't have a huge budget. Like I could see a show like that just kind of having that look. Like it would just have this look because that's what they had. It like, didn't register as a flashback to me. No, but it's harmless. Oh no, it's harmless. We say it, yeah. but it puts that it puts that initial scene kind of in better context now. Where it's yes. like, oh, that's what that was. But there was one crazy thing I thought Joe said. It's like, oh, like how do we know he's a escaped and they said they were doing construction on a new chapel for the prison and when they dug up the graves one was missing and it's i was like wait a minute where again i don't know but do they bury prisoners at the prison i think some they do really like no No. i can't imagine this is true at all no if you don't have like your body goes back to your family it definitely goes back to next weekend i did look that up and if it doesn't you get fucking incinerated (laughs) there are never prisons with cemeteries i don't know but this seemed a little like strange to me at least but yeah no that was super weird (laughs) though i liked the image of it yeah yeah i liked the idea that like they like the grave was disturbed but the whole time i was like oh this would have been a cool shot like to show construction workers like working on some site and like unearthing this this guy and it them like getting attacked by that might have even been an better opening that might have been a better opening yeah i would have appreciated that but also like just again thinking how was he buried and how did they know the coffin was empty like this was 30 years ago are we expecting these constructions workers were digging up i'm assuming he was buried in a coffin and not just dumped in a grave uh like they would have pulled the coffin out but like why would they have opened it like wouldn't they have just been like, oh, here's the coffin, like, with a deteriorated body in it? I don't That's a good know. good question. Mm, maybe they heard someone banging. 
They were, <gasps> and they're like, oh, what the hell? I don't get I don't get paid enough for this. So anyway, Quentin's back, baby. That's right. <laughs> Joe reveals that everyone that was involved in his execution is getting knocked off. And he's like, yeah, so you should handle this. And Max's like, not really my thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a cop. I'm not a cop. And so, and of course, Max still does not really trust Joe. Like, yeah. they, they're, they still have a tenuous relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. Which, this seems like such a breach of protocol. Oh, yeah. I was just like, really? Joe is just like, we observe and record, but never interfere until right now? Yeah. Yeah, or- they, don't, they don't really delve into that too much in the, the pilot of this season. Like, because Joe mentions that, and I think Horton, or somebody mentions that, like, you've broken the rules already. And he's like, mm. well, I had to. And I, I wish they maybe kind of got a little bit more into what breaking the rules are and entails. And so anyway, Joe leaves, and then Charlie comes back in. And he's like, "Oh, you come back in anytime." He's like, "I want another crack at you." And I'm like, "They're in love already." Like they these are. two. Yeah. Ooh la la. Mm. Oh, oh, we forgot the part after uh, Charlie gets beaten. Some guy comes out, and he's like, "Hey, that water doesn't work again." Oh yeah. And he's like, it's wet, isn't it? Uh, I love Charlie. Also, it's good to have like a non-white guy on the show for a change. Yeah. Sure. So Richie and Mac are walking around outside after the gym. Mm-hmm. And Mac gets the buzz. He does. And he's like, you head on home or whatever. He's like, I got to take care of something. And, then, and he like leaps down yeah. like a staircase or whatever. And like an accountant jumps out of yeah. a bush. And <laughs> like, ha ha. And he's it's holding really a sword. Funny. It's in broad daylight, and he's, like, brandishing a sword yeah. at somebody. This guy looks like the nerdiest, like... I have in my notes that this dude is, like, the like immortal dad. Yeah. Like, if your dad... <laughs> if your, like, khaki-wearing dad was an immortal, <laughs> it would be this guy. Like... Well, Kyle, you had a good... Who does this guy look like? He's Billy from Power Rangers. That's right. That so is really Blue Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in a Canadian tuxedo. So. <laughs> Fits the bill even more. Perfect. But it turns out these two are friends. And uh, it's Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Uh, Acclaimed film director, <laughs> Michael Moore. So after this, we cut to a wedding photo shoot. Yeah. This is the strangest transition this show oh has maybe God. ever had. And they're, and they're like, oh, a little over this way. like, And we hang on this for a couple seconds. It's like, what is this? Like, yep. And then it's just Duncan, t- like the gang, eating lunch together. Eating a hot dog. Mm-hmm. And... I guess there's a wedding shoot at the cafe. Like, this is the strangest thing. And we'll find out soon why this wedding party is there. But So this whole thing is strange. Because they're, like, just shooting the shit and, like, getting caught up again. They're asking, like, what Michael's doing in town. And Duncan jumps on him. He's like, oh, you're here because of Quentin Barnes. And it's like, wait. When Joe confronted you about this, you knew? Like, you right. knew about this guy all the time and had a personal sort of connection to this guy and we're just like not really my thing yeah Yeah. it's like really like you knew that your good pal michael would be invested in this and you just like you just blew it off yeah Yeah. and it also contradicts something we learn later that duncan promises michael that if michael is killed by barnes duncan is going to take up the quest to defeat barnes and duncan has not seen michael in a long time either so he could he could maybe assume that yeah. You know, yeah. maybe he's maybe he's been dead for a while and he's like, right. oh, but Barnes is back. Well, I've got a promise because I'm Duncan and I'm chivalrous and I have mm-hmm. a coat of honor and this is what I do. Yeah, it's all just very puzzling. Yeah. The way um, all this stuff pieces together. I did. I did like the fact that, like, Michael in this scene, like, 
he's like normal. And I was like, oh man, like a normal immortal. Like this is yeah. a mortal. Yeah, normal. Yeah, like mortal. I was like, normally like it's some dude wearing a mask, taking saws to people's faces, a guy yeah. that poisons people. This guy is normal. He's like, like a dork. He's just a dorky dad. Yeah. With khakis. Uh, so it was kind of a relief to just see like someone that was like seemingly well adjusted. Uh-huh. Uh, seemingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spoiler. So, we now get a flashback, and we find out the reason there was a stupid wedding party taking, is taking photos. <laughs> just for this transition. It's just for this transition that they wanted to trans... Somebody had this bright idea of, like, yeah. the image of a beautiful bride transitioning into a cackling witch yeah. would be, like, interesting. <laughs> it isn't. One. Yeah. So, uh, she's wearing the veil, and then she slowly turns, and then this, the color of the screen changes. Yeah, we get, like, a sepia tone. And then it's some old woman who's like obviously a few bats short of a belfry and yeah they're at an asylum matt gets out of an old school like model t and goes into this sanatorium and right yeah this is again a flashback to that sort of like 30s time period that i yeah. think is really effective like the costuming is great so they get that model t looking drawn up in there like yeah. it looks good so here's a weird inconsistency on the episode where duncan fights who was the stage the, on the stage? Do you remember that? Marcus. Mad Marcus. Marcus, yeah. That's in black and white. Yeah. Then in the episode we just watched, they roughly go back to the same time period, right? No yeah. no changing to the footage. Mm. And then in this one, We've got a it's sepia. the weird sepia thing. It, it just struck me as odd. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have a single voice in terms of how it shows different eras, but... Yeah, I'm okay as long as it, like, conveys whatever they're trying to show. Like, I think the black and white worked well for that kind of theatrical Marcus fight. And sure. I don't mind the sepia tone. I don't love it, though. Like, I think also sometimes the sepia tone is used to cover up their set dressings. Like, yeah. it's like, we can't make it look too old, so let's right. make the film look old. Yeah. That'll cover That's it up. Point. So it's a little practical. Yeah, yeah. Um... How much Mac in a bowler hat can you handle? A lot. <laughs> Good, because you're getting an eyeful. So Mac goes into the asylum, and he hears a woman screaming. Someone is attacking this this nurse, I guess, and he they're yelling, You deceitful lying bitch! <laughs> he dropped the B word. He does, and they, they use that word a lot. They do use show. that word a lot. It's kind of weird. Saturday or Monday afternoon. I hate Mondays. <laughs> afternoon action adventure show. That's a little strong language. Yeah. Says us. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Duncan arrives and he is too late. Uh, yeah. His friend Michael is kind of shaking on the floor with his sword drawn and he's like, I, I was too late. Like I couldn't stop him or whatever. Right. So is Michael a doctor? Michael's a doctor, which he does say earlier. I guess we do get the clue that his last name is Moore earlier. He, when yeah. Duncan comes in, he's like, oh, I'm here to see Dr. Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when we find out his name is Michael Moore. Yep. Um, <laughs> but he has his sword, and he's cowering, and he's yeah. like, I was too late, or I couldn't stop him. He he overpowered me. I wasn't too late. But he's yeah. saying that Quentin Barnes overpowered him. And then they run in, and the nurse is dead. Yeah, who is Janet. Yeah. Jeanette, or excuse Jeanette. Yeah. boo. So then we cut to the graveyard, still back in the past, and they are burying Jeanette. And this is where Duncan promises that he's going to avenge her right. if uh, Barnes, or if, excuse me, if Michael Moore can't. <laughs> Every time I say Michael Moore, I cannot stop thinking about the Bowling film. for Columbine. Bowling for Columbine. <laughs> and him with the welding a sword and being like, I'll avenge you. Like, <laughs> Michael Moore voice. Is that your Michael Moore? That's my Michael Moore. <laughs> so you know my impressions on this show are always top notch. Gems. <laughs> Also, Jeanette's last name is Colbert. Jacobs. That's right. <laughs> Ty Cobb. 
So Mac then goes back to Joe to get back up because now he's on board for finding Barnes. And all of a sudden Joe's like, well, I don't know about this. All of a sudden he's all squeamish about it. When it was his idea. Yeah, he was spilling the beans about, like, wanting his help. And now he's like, I can't give you a, like, tell you any information about this character. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's revealed that they don't have any pictures of Quentin Barnes. It's, like, only the 70s, and it's, like, reported in the newspaper that this guy's been executed. That you would think he would have a mugshot, right? He was a prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, stuff, photos would exist of this guy. Yeah. It's just, like, a silly little plot device. I mean, is it possible that Quentin Barnes destroyed all records of his photographs somehow? They could have said that, though. Like, all the records were destroyed in a fire or something. Like, yeah. I could buy it. The prison burnt. Oh, what would have been a better thing was instead of the, like, them digging up the the grave because they're building a chat, like, the prison burned down and the records, presumably, and, like, they started doing new construction. And Mm. that's how this thing got dug up or something like, yeah. i don't know but so, so how did how did what's his name get out like because they imply that the when they dug up the graves like oh one was empty and it's like so he escaped before they dug it up maybe how did he do that i don't yeah. know who knows this is all crazy it is whatever the magic of cinema <laughs> so joe warns him or joe tells him that uh the only person left or one of the only people left is the priest that was there Right. And so he reveals the address to Duncan, so Duncan can kind of go mm-hmm. help the priest. So then we cut to the uh, the priest's, uh, what would you call it? The uh, the seminary or his office? His or office, I don't yeah. Know. Okay, so you know what the priest's Rectory. name is? <laughs> What's his name? Moore. What? Yeah. This, Father Moore. That's You're terrible. Kidding. Yeah. That doesn't make, why would you name two characters Moore? I have no idea. Uh. <laughs> You, Isn't that that's weird? a joke, right? Isn't no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Yeah, Padre. I'm Moore. like 98 percent sure because I wrote it down in my notes. I was like, "What? Like <laughs> you couldn't come up with another name? That's so weird. You can't come up with more names." Oh, I like that. <laughs> that's like oh, in the first season there was ki- almost an instance of that. Not as bad as being in the same episode, but like the next episode, like weren't there two Gabriels in a row? Hmm. Like there was Gabriel Pitone, and then in the next episode there was like a Gabriel something. Oh, uh, in uh, Avenging Angel, yeah, there was another Gabriel. It's like hold on, like we just had two Gabriels. Next, mm-hmm. like that. Ah, yeah, come on, guys. I don't know. Well, that's more of this synchronicity episode to episode, which I'll talk about later. Maybe it's all collapsing in on itself. Spoil <laughs> things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barnes arrives at the priest's rectory, mm-hmm. and he puts an end to the priest quickly. And that was the clip we played at the top of the episode. So Duncan is too late. Yeah. Uh, so then- I'm Quentin Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. <laughs> uh, so, did you guys see the new Ben Hur trailer? No. What? Why are they remaking Ben Hur? Good question. Ben Hur. What a point- pointless. They're remaking Benjamin Hur. Who yes. plays Benjamin? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know this actor. Ben Hur? Yeah. Why? Oh, it's super, it's like, the whole, if you watch the trailer, it's all like Dark Knight music. It's like, <laughs> like thumping drums and cellos and the, the, the carts are exploding. The wow. horses explode. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's a shot in the trailer of a horse, like flipping into the, uh, into the, the, oh the Coliseum stands. It's amazing. Of, of course. Of course. Exactly. Uh, but <laughs> I heard that. 
in the next scene, mm. uh, <laughs> Duncan, I guess, has arrived too late, and he's walking away talking to, like, an EMT. And, again, Duncan has, like, unfettered access to crime scenes. <laughs> yeah. That's his special power. That's his yeah. mutant power. But That's I, right. His extra power. <laughs> I love this interaction he has with the EMT, because clearly the EMT is, like, an extra, so they didn't want to pay him if he had dialogue. <laughs> so they're like, Duncan's like, so are you saying it's been an hour and a half since the murder? And then the EMT looks at him blankly and nods. <laughs> <laughs> It's like great. That's so funny. Also, again, that whole part of the scene didn't need to exist. Like, eventually, Duncan ends up talking to Joe outside and being like, We're too late. It's like, That's the start of the scene, man. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> we didn't scene. make it in time. Yeah. <laughs> so, Keith, do you have anything new and exciting from the Highlander catalog circa 1993? Are you a Highlander fan? Then you'll love the Highlander-only parking sign. The McLeod Ordinance of 1592 AD will guarantee your parking space will be reserved for immortals only. When you post this, violators will lose their head parking sign made of strong weather-resistant steel, sized 12 inches wide by 18 inches high. Only 1995. 1995, what a deal. You said it. There can be only one parking space. Uh, So, back at the antique store, uh, Richie gets uh, a visit from Michael. He shows up, and he's got a file in his hand, and he said there was a watcher outside uh, who, I guess, gave it to him. And he was like, oh, this is for Duncan McLeod. So, Michael brings it inside uh, for them to check out. And so, Richie opens it, and then we're back to the rectory. Duncan meets up with Joe outside the rectory. Uh, Joe reveals, he's like, oh, the files are being printed and sent. So, we know they're on the way. So uh, Billy and Tess are having kind of like a friendly walk through the park, just, you know, kind of talking about their feelings. And Megazords. That's right. It's morphin' time. Pooch aye, it. Aye, aye. <laughs> Pooch it. <laughs> What was what was Billy? He was was he Mastodon? No, that was no. He, he was a Triceratops, which is why like I always wanted to like him the most, but I didn't. Yeah, because <laughs> Triceratops is a very good dinosaur. Saber tooth tiger, not a dinosaur. Oh, and what was <laughs> what? Didn't one wasn't one have didn't one have a color to it? Wasn't it like pink pterodactyl? Yeah, it was just pterodactyl. Well, no, pterodactyl. In, in, in they some... were all the same color as their all. No, the... I know that, but in one of the incarnations of Power Rangers, didn't somebody say the color? I don't I, know. I could swear that's true. That somebody was like yellow something, and it was like, <laughs> why is yours the only one that's like yellow? Like that you have to say what it is. Interesting. I don't. I remember I don't that for some reason. Are you sure you're not thinking of Legends of the Hidden Temple? Ooh, the blue, sounds, the purple sil- parrots, the silver, Barracudas. silver, uh, silver monkeys, silver monkeys. Mm-hmm. No, it, was the shrine, they- it was the shrine of the silver monkey. What, oh. it, was the, it was the blue, blue barracudas, the purple parrots. I don't. What were the other ones? I don't remember. Were, were they all alliterations? It was silver snakes, silver snakes. Oh. They were. All, they yes, they were all alliterative. And Olmec, the hidden temple. The, temple the choice is yours and yours alone. <laughs> <laughs> so he, so Billy's talking about his feelings for his like you know seventy year old dead girlfriend, and Tess is like, oh, well, I think it's sweet. And then Billy's like, oh, well, you think it's sweet? And then he like gives her a little kiss on the hand. Yeah, it's it's a little creepy. I was creeped out by it. A little. Yeah. It's, a little it's a little much, but I like yeah. the guy. Like he's like really like nerdy and excited during yeah. this whole bit. I don't know. I liked him, Michael Moore, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael Morbelly. So, from studying the file, 
that they got from Joe, they're able to determine that the prosecutor in Quentin Bond's case is still alive. And he's so, a judge now. Right. We end up cutting to the Hall of Justice and oh, the uh, this scene, this scene this is scene so is wacky. crazy. <laughs> so Quentin Barnes is like spying on this judge who's mumbling to himself at his desk. He's like, ah, what, what's the secretary's name? Luis. Yeah. Luis, I need those depositions. Yeah. Where are you when I need you? Where's, where's that deposition? Is what he the, says. It would come grinding to a halt if you weren't here. What, it was, it's ridiculous. You're in the law, Kyle. Is this an accurate representation of uh, a judge's office? I mean, judge's office tend to just be offices, but he's staying <laughs> late and he's by himself, and he's clearly a kooky old man. Yeah. So all bets are off. Yeah. The Seacouver Judicial System, <laughs> as we learned from Bad Day and Building A, is a, is a total clown school. So you know, is this in the same building or is this different? Oh, it's I like to building. imagine that this also took place in Building <laughs> A. That would be awesome. Uh, I'd be so excited. Barnes, I guess, then busts in the door, and we yeah. don't see what happens. But yeah. he's he's kind of you know the jig is up for this guy. Yep. Uh, so Duncan picks up Michael from his hotel, and they're on their way to the judge's chambers because mm-hmm. I guess Duncan was calling the judge at home, and he wasn't answering. So like he must be at work. So they head over to save him, but alas, they are too late. Mm-hmm. And how does the judge die, Kyle? He somehow is like strapped to this thing, like he, like they make an electric chair right? somehow, yeah. uh, and it's, they go like the same way the other guy was killed. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> like, was it? They, they showed it. They showed Barnes like throttling him (laughs) so what but there's a note and there's a note from Barnes that says Michael I'll be seeing you I'll be seeing you Michael (laughs) you look you look pretty Michael It looks like it's superimposed on the paper. It doesn't even look like they actually like. <laughs> oh, wrote I'll have to watch a that. Note. It's really weird. I don't know. So we then get an, a nice juicy bit of exposition of just Duncan explaining that the Watchers are just not that good at their job, yeah. right? Because Richie, I think, is highlighting what we talked about earlier of how the hell is there not a picture of this guy? Yeah, and Duncan's like, well, it's got to really be hard. Whatever, don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that clearly was. Uh, derivative of a writer wondering hey like wouldn't they have a picture and they're like yeah you're right we got to figure that out like let's write that in the script (laughs) they don't problem solved yeah that's right yeah you're right they should but they don't (laughs) sorry Uh, so joe calls mac and he's like we got a lead and he's like we think that barnes is back in that insane asylum why I was wondering that, too. So my only guess is since they think he's at large, they have sent watchers to his, like, old stomping grounds. I guess. And somebody saw him go in there. But I agree. It's like I had the same I question. I think that's I reasonable. Like, I don't it's think. It's like, huh, all right. No, like, I don't know. How would you, all you know is you are looking for a person. Go try to find them. I think it's a very eminently reasonable thing to do to go to places you know they've been in the past. This sure. is true. So I think that's worthwhile, especially if you know that he's got a connection to Michael and that this used to be the place where Michael worked. Right. I think it's reasonable. I I didn't actually have a problem with this bit. And I was actually kind of excited because I thought the asylum was a cool location. It is a cool so location. So they're getting more usage out yeah. of it. No, I like the way they dress it. Like, in the past, it looks, like, pretty functional. Then it's, like, dilapidated. It's cool. So, Mac and Michael. Mac and Mike. Mike and Ike. Magic Mac. (laughs) Jesus. Mac and me, Ike. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Marley and Mac. (laughs) Mac and Michael pull up to the asylum. and uh, They split up. They split up. But Mac also says he's like, hmm, he's like, I don't sense him. But he's like, it's too far away to tell. 
And I was like, hold on, in like three, four episodes ago, and like the hunters, Fitz outside of uh, Darius's church was like, I don't sense him. And he was like a building away. Yeah. And so I, again, am never sure how this proximity alarm works, nope. but it doesn't really matter. I am only bringing it up for humor's sake. I don't yeah. fucking care. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, what does matter is that Billy came suited up for battle with his blue sweater vest. Yep. Right. I was wondering and how khakis. his sword fits in there. It's like, he oh, I guess it's hidden he, in his sweater vest? He doesn't have his sword on him is the answer to that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he runs off. He clearly doesn't have it, but I guess I'm not it's supposed his to. Pants. As yeah. you've said, yeah. Amen, the magic of cinema. That's right. <laughs> And him being a filmmaker and all. So uh, <laughs> so they split up, and Mac is, like, <laughs> sneaking through the asylum. Who's running the asylum? The the patients are. <laughs> or Michael Moore. That's right. <laughs> so Mac's sneaking around, and uh, this isn't the first time we're going to be seeing him sneak around the same exact <laughs> hallways. Which I'll complain about later. But he doesn't find Quentin Barnes. Nope. And then he hears a scream, and he runs out. He runs outside. Yeah, like this is like a multi-story building. Yep. Well, there's like window. A window breaks and a scream. Like yeah. someone's been like thrown out a window or yep. something. Uh, so he goes to look, and he doesn't find anything. And then he, what does he find? A piece he of paper? He finds his glasses. Or his glasses. Yeah, his okay. glasses. And that's it. Yeah. So, Although I, I do have a comment. I, I do kind of like the way this episode's shot. Like, I like all the stuff in the asylum. Like, it's a lot of handheld stuff. Yeah. The camera's kind of floating around behind people. Mm-hmm. I think it looks pretty cool in there because mm-hmm. uh, it's a good feel to it. So, yeah. That's a plus. It is. So then Mac ends up getting a call from Barnes. He says that he killed Michael. And he's like, hey, you can come and find us. You'll be able to recognize me because I'm the one with the head. (laughs) (laughs) And he's Uh, like, come back to the asylum. Yes, they've already left and now they're just going back. You're making him go back again? This made (laughs) me so angry. That was irritating. I was like, come on. And then it's the exact same sequence. He's, like, literally looking through the same hallways. They don't even, like, change the hallways. Well, like, it, it was, the thing that's kind of funny is it's like a bait and switch. Like, the entire yeah. point is to get Mac out of the yeah. antique store. Right. Yeah. So, when Mac leaves, Tess is worried about him. Yeah. Uh, and has this kind of amazing interaction with oh, Richie. God. So, we should play this clip. Yeah. So, Richie is like, oh, is there, he's asking if there's anything he can do to help Tess. And then Tess loses her mind. Let me know what you want me to do. We need more inventory, more shelf space. And I can't be spending all my time doing this. I have my own work. Look, Tess, I'm worried about Mac, too, but he can take care of himself. Don't you think I know that? Fine. Hey, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes they just say some things, you know, open mouth, insert foot. I'm sorry, Richie. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. And this is another tender moment. Yep. They're just full it's of just tender the, moments here. Sometimes. This is so soap opera-y. I and tell it's all myself like that this above. is the way it is. That it's my choice that I'm with him. It's been 12 years. You'd think I'd learn. Learn what, Tess? Learn not to be human? Learn not to love him so much? Hey, come on. Give yourself a break. Their faces are very close together. (laughs) You know what I always do when I'm worried about something? Make out. (laughs) Yank it. I don't know, so maybe you can tell me. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, and then they do a hug. 
thinks. And he like kind of smells her. <laughs> there is definitely something wacky going yeah. on here. So this scene happened because uh, the two actors were like, hey, can we have something to do? <laughs> can we have a scene where we say anything? <laughs> we do anything? Yeah, so they are not Richie and Tess are yeah. marginalized for the past, like, three episodes. Like, this scene is bullshit. When I was watching it at home, I was just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, the one thing that was a little interesting is this is the second episode in a row that's directly like, Tess, do you sure you want to be with Mac? Yeah. Like, yeah. very overtly, like... Right. Gregor, in the previous episode, what did we decide his nickname was? Launchpad McBlain? Yeah. <laughs> Launchpad McBlain is immediately like, are you sure you want to be with this guy, even though yeah. you're going to grow old and die? Yeah. And then here, she's again like, Ugh, I tell myself this is normal, but this is terrible. Yeah. yeah. So that could be interesting fodder if those threads continue to be developed throughout the season. Yeah. Mm, maybe they will be. Thoughts. Mm. Or maybe they won't. Richie ends this whole little thing with like a joke which yeah. to me doesn't even make sense like the the dialogue goes she's he's like you know what i always do when something bothers me and tess is like no and he's like oh i th- i thought you know i don't like it's like wait you asked the question like you you do know like i don't understand what that is no like, he's like it's it's like you know what i do like he's asking her if she knows what he does th- the joke would have been the joke should not be you know what i do when something bothers me it should be something like, you know what they do? You know what they say when something bothers you? Because then the answer to like then Richie can legitimately not know the answer to right, do you know what right. quote unquote they say? Yeah, not like do you know what I, I myself do. do? Yeah, and it's like we we frankly do know what you do, and so do you because you're the one doing it. Like, <laughs> what's wait? What, to how be, do we know? Well, we know. Well, what? Well, well, we can view it. Viewer, it's supposed whatever. to be like he's like dumb Richie. Like, <laughs> sure, yep, dumb Richie indeed. <laughs> no, I think it's it's. I agree that it's like. Two words away from being written accurately. Yeah. But it's cute. It's, it's fine. I guess, cute. Also, if this was a soap opera, which this feels yeah. really soap opera-y, these two characters are about to do it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. like, All you need down. is some Vaseline smeared <laughs> yeah. on the lens. No, because th- this whole, this whole like, setup in a, in a soap opera is yeah. fodder for an affair happening. Mm-hmm. Mm, that would have really been interesting, too. I mean, maybe that might, that might happen. Uh-oh. We don't know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Richie <laughs> fanfic <laughs> spoiler alert that might happen in the story Eamon is writing <laughs> oh good god gross uh, not gross but fanfic so Ugh. we don't really need to talk too much about the next scene because we've already seen it once uh duncan wanders around the yep. asylum doing nothing but this time he has his trench coat right so it's more <laughs> exciting and thrilling yep but then he also finds a dead body Ooh. and we don't know who this of is of a character yet. we haven't seen so why should we care yeah we don't have any we just are like oh somebody died and yep. eventually we find out that that was a watcher it oh, was Josh. 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 <laughs> Josh. Josh. Why? <laughs> so while <laughs> so while Duncan's away, uh, Michael returns back to the antique store and fake out. He's yeah. all tattered he's and all torn, busted up. Uh, so Tess is, I guess, kind of fixing him up, yeah. bandaging his wounds, and he's like, "Oh, I don't really need this. I'm almost fixed anyway because yeah. I'm a magical creature. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm a centaur." <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then he starts having like a weird headache. Yeah, there's like a weird like it kind of sounds like a didgeridoo, but I also think it kind of sounds like burping. (laughs) (laughs) When it gets really deep, it just sounds like someone burping like into a microphone and then slowing it down. (laughs) Does this sound like the real sound of a didgeridoo? Annoying, annoying, annoying. (laughs) Uh, So something's going on with Mike. Mike Moore. He just needs to take some Tylenol. Right. Duncan and Joe meet up at the asylum, and this is where Joe reveals, like, do you know who that is? That's Josh. (laughs) Like, we're supposed to know who Josh is. You know who that is, you Philistine? Yeah. (laughs) You heathen? That's Josh. And I didn't really understand this file business. Looks I got like a Barnes confused. got the J man. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Mr. J. <laughs> this is the prequel to Suicide Squad. Um, what's the th- what is this file thing? What? So Josh had the file. <coughs> right. Josh would only have given it to Mac. Okay. And he's like, "Did you see Josh?" And he's like, "No, I didn't see Josh." He's like, "Well, that's Josh." Ah. So Matt. So that's how because- Joe figures out that Michael killed josh because right. michael is the one who gave him the file oh. and josh would not have given the file to anyone but mac directly oh for some reason i must that makes so much more sense i got confused and i was like because especially because the way this is edited like the timeline seems weird because when joe meets up with mac at the rectory after the priest dies he's like oh the files are being printed and sent over and it's like oh so they're not even done yet but According to the editing of the episode, like, Richie already got the files. So part of me thought this guy had the real files and Barnes gave Richie, like, fake files, which is also... dummy files? Like, dummy files, which also, I wondered, led into the idea of, like, that's why they were so lame. Like, they Uh, don't have a picture. They're um, really, like, sparse. And it's because Barnes has, like, just put together some dummy thing and given to them. And taken out all the the information, like, taken out the photo that would have blown up his spot. Maybe, yeah. That's what what I initially thought it was. But it makes more sense the way you're saying that, like, Barnes... Killed the guy, took the file, and gave it to Mac. Yeah. But I'm still a little confused because of the time. But why like, give him the file at all? <sighs> Maybe it's both. Maybe he did gut the file. Oh, yeah. He, it yeah, he could have gutted the file. Yeah. Weird stuff. Michael, back in the antique store, mm-hmm. says he wants to head back to the hotel because yeah. he's been having these like weird headaches. Mm-hmm. And he's going to head out. And he's like being a weird creeper towards Tess. He like, tries like, to touch her face. Yeah, he's getting yeah. a little touchy and weird. It's not yeah. good. Tess is not into it yeah. at all. Yeah. So he says I mean, he's no Richie Ryan. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's not virile or young. But so he starts getting these sharp pains and she's yeah. like, Well go to the bathroom, like there's take medicine. It, there's medicine. Squad a duke. So Richie inquires about all this. He's like, Oh, what's up with uh Big Mike? And Tess is like, Oh, he's feeling sick. And then Richie says, Hey, you know what? I'll take care of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he says, Do immortals get sick? Oh, right. Our question of the week, maybe. Oh. I don't know. Do immortals get sick? And I was like, oh, good question, Richie, and we should talk about this. And as we've said before on this show, we are going to pose this question, obviously, to you right now, but also on Facebook. Send us your responses. Write them on Facebook and also send them to HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com, and we'll read the best ones on air. But we're going to talk about this a little amongst ourselves and mm-hmm. what we think of the question, do immortals get sick? What do you guys think? No. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Prove it. Prove it. All right. So here's my theory. Okay. One. So one of the things that we have established is that immortals will like die and come back. But 
there are so many non-fatal but persistent diseases. A lot of immortals would just be permanently stricken with diseases that would never kill them if they could actually get sick. Also, like, imagine if an immortal contracted, like, I don't know, if they got, like, cholera, like gonorrhea or something like that or syphilis. Would it, like, drive them mad in the <laughs> era before penicillin but never kill them? Yeah. Good question. Or cancer. I mean, I don't know. Would an immortal get cancer? Would the cancer just grow, 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 grow? Or I don't know. Also, that would be really shitty, because if so, like there'd be some moment where for maybe years at a time, you're really weak Yeah, because of this illness. Like If it's a slow-acting illness, you might just have this illness for a really long time before it kills you. Mm. And then, you know, Slan the Cat comes knocking on the door, and you're just screwed because, like, you caught... Because... You know, this iteration of you has cancer, right. and until it kills you, you're out of commission. Also, all these guys were alive when, you know, medicine was shit, and they all lived. You know what I mean? Like, they all would have, if they could get sick, they all would have been sick, like, back in ye olden times when everybody died of everything. Right. So I'm I'm not sure. I will I will cite one of our previous conversations as evidence that they can. But you're, Kyle, you're, you're citing us as evidence? Yeah. <laughs> well, just the conclusion we came to. And I will cite our fa- one of our favorite episodes, Deadly Medicine. Uh, we talk- so it's got medicine right there in the title. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's got to be, so it's gotta be good. <laughs> no, because uh, I, I was thinking about this. It's like, oh, can they get sick? Kyle, you bring up good points. Like, well, what if you just are perpetually sick? That seems to be a, a wrinkle in this. That doesn't work too well. Uh, but we had talked about immortals getting, like, drugged and drunk we know they can get drunk and we 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 actually had a conversation about like oh well they can probably get drunk because it's like a temporary thing we compared it i think to like a toxin and it would run its course and so i would wonder it's like well a cold would kind of be maybe the same thing like you get a bacterial infection it might run its course the virus well or vi- yeah that, that's yes sorry whatever dr kyle rhino virus <laughs> <laughs> but i was kind of curious if it works kind of the same way like if they can get drunk then they can probably get a cold i disagree why because <laughs> uh because one is a chemical that is cycled through your brain everything is a chemical and another one <laughs> is and the other one is physically combated by your immune system like, I have no problem believing that, like, your immune system as an immortal is impenetrable in some way and is able to ward off all, like, viruses and bacteria. But if, like, you're injected with a toxin, you got to just process it. I would say that it would act quicker. You just have a hyper-fast cold. Like, yeah, you You'd would have maybe like, get a little sick, but... You have feel... a hyper-fast batch of cholera. Right. And... and then I would also say that might apply even for the drinking, is that you would need to drink a lot because your body is constantly repairing that sort of stuff. It's kind of like maybe. Wolverine. I don't know. But it's, I feel like those yeah. two things are related a little bit. Like, they're both doing something to your body, and if we allow one, we probably need to make room for the other. But, but also, illnesses have incubation periods in a way that toxins necessar- don't necessarily. Alright, so what do you think about this out in podcast land? Let us know what you think of the question. <laughs> Can immortals get sick? We will read the best answers on air. We can't wait to hear from you. Remember, it's Highlander Rewatched at gmail.com. So, on with the episode. All right, so Michael's freaking out in the bathroom, and uh-huh. we hear him scream, "No!" We hear him yell, "It's morphin' time!" Yeah. <laughs> and then he becomes Quentin Barnes. Well, uh, isn't this the weird part where Richie's like, "Hey, you know what, Tess? I'll take care of this. Yes. Richie'll take the cakes." Richie yeah. just, but he doesn't seem alarmed at this man screaming in their bathroom. No. 
Uh, so Michael is in the bathroom writing <laughs> with <laughs> lipstick. Or no, he sees lipstick. Oh, right, right, right. No, he calls Tess in, and there's lipstick writing on the thing. And he's like, Barnes is here. Like, in the house. Yeah, so then Testa goes out, and Richie's <sighs> like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, Barnes is in the house? <laughs> I'll take care of this. Yeah. Right. Like, he's going to go up against Barnes if he's right. really there. Uh, uh, so, yeah, there's... Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I'm, okay. just, I'm just shaking my head at the, <laughs> the, the, the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the situation, my favorite. So there's a bunch of lipstick on the, uh, on, the, on the mirror, and it says, Get ready, Michael. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, really, I really, 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 really wanted Michael to rub the lipstick on his lips. <laughs> going to they like at one point he like just brings out and like just stares as it yeah. as he twists it up like it looked like he was just about to apply yeah. liberally so the twist here is that michael and quentin barnes are one and the same wait what it took Did... me longer than i cared to admit to realize that it was the same i never that explained why they yeah. never had shown right. quentin barnes in any of the shots yeah. and why like they violated so many show don't tell rules yep they're always like telling you things that Quentin Barn did mm-hmm. and I'm just like show me yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a visual medium <laughs> then Quentin Barnes like comes out of the bathroom and Richie tries to fight him. Who's now the blue the blue ranger yeah is Michael is Quentin Barnes. Right. Yeah. If that was not painstakingly clear from what we'd said. <laughs> And Quentin Barnes kicks the shit out of Richie. <laughs> well, serious face punching involved. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, Richie punches him twice. Yeah. And so I had two thoughts on this. First, I was like, at first, I was like, oh man, like Barnes is like superhuman. Like, yeah. He, he, he's unstoppable. And then I was like, eh, it's just Richie punching. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this guy's not doing anything. Yeah. It's just Richie being a little wimp. Yeah, it's the power of the Triceratops fusing <laughs> right. every part of his body. <laughs> and then after he dispatches of Richie, he comes up to Tess and he's like, it's me, Quentin Barnes. What's <laughs> <laughs> this? It's me? <laughs> it's a me, Mario Barnes. <laughs> it's like... It's not a very threatening way Uh, for him to introduce himself, but he does have, like, a deep voice. Yeah. And he's, like, carrying himself differently. Yeah, he's, like, standing up super straight and tall. He's got kind of a menacing look. He's not like, I'm Michael Moore. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, guys, do you guys remember when this episode started in a gym? Anybody remember that? Yeah, that's, like, a lifetime ago. (laughs) He's flipping out to Tess. Mm -hmm. Tess punches him a couple times as well. Yeah, and he's saying, like, oh, you led me on, just like all the rest of them. Like, I knew what that walk in the park was all about. Yeah, Yeah, it's creepy. It's weird, and it also... Richie is right there. Yeah. It's our main man. That's that's right. (laughs) It also paints this strange, like, parallel that, like... It's Barnes, like, a weird, like, twisted version of Michael's, like, psyche or whatever you want to Sexual frustration. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that it, it, it... by him talking about like oh you led me on this is what the others did too like yeah. it's like oh is this supposed to be like an allegory for like he's some sort of sexual predator yeah that like recontextualizes like women's niceness or something mm. or just you know like typical human behavior as like right. a sexual advance towards him uh-huh. and i was like oh but like that's not really set up in this episode there, in another world this episode could be entirely about someone that like it has a misunderstanding of what women like their actions are to him like he's just this is an episode about a sexual predator or just and- the guy that's mad about being friend zoned <laughs> oh yeah i guess Ugh. so <laughs> which is such a problematic phrase to begin with. Yeah. Uh, like, no, it's, it's perpetuated terrible. by people who have the exact problem we're discussing. Yep. Right. Oh, you've been nice to me. I'm entitled to 
yeah. a romantic relationship yep. with you. Not good. Nope. So, like, teach them we, to love me. Yeah. So, like, are, are we now supposed to, like, rethink the initial relationship? Like, this woman, Colbert, Jeanette, oh. were they even anything? Was she just a nurse at the same place where he works? And That's a good question. I didn't think that. That is that. a good question. Because yeah. of, who and knows he, if Duncan really knew her that well? Like he yeah. might have just heard from Bar or from Michael that like, oh, I'm in love. Like I've got this this person. Like maybe they were just acquaintances and or work companions. I don't think that show is that subtle, but it's that would be really interesting point. that that's yeah. there. I don't know. That was I was wondering about that. Gotta, I don't know that there's ways to know with what's presented in this episode one way or another. But interesting. So there's a fight. Duncan shows up. He's, yep. he's on to this whole thing. Once again, the Blue Ranger suited up for battle yeah. with his khakis and his gray tucked-in sweatshirt yeah. <laughs> and his, like, brown loafers, yeah. which they keep... There's, like, three shots of people's feet during this fight scene, and it's just, like, his gross stained loafers. Yeah. It's so goofy. He pulls a sword out of nowhere in typical Highlander fashion. And he Duncan, pulls it out from under the sweatshirt. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then Duncan throws him, like, out the door. Yeah. Into who knows where they like, are now. Why where are a, they, how do they get there? I have no idea. Like in a train yard. <laughs> why is there a train yard right out front of the antique shop? It's so crazy. I like, love this set, but what? Yeah. Well, it's clear. Like clearly, they had these two things. Like they. They knew because of, like, the mechanics of the story that this scene had to take place in the antique shop, presumably. Like, that's where this Barnes reveals himself. But I guess then they were like, well, I don't want to – like, we can't have the fight in the antique shop. Like, that won't be interesting. So let's do it somewhere else. How do we get there? I don't know. Throw him out the door and we'll (laughs) just cut. Like, and that's what they do. He, like, runs a little bit and then suddenly they're in some industrial park. Yeah. Like – where there's just like machinery everywhere mm-hmm. and like train bits, <laughs> right? Yeah, train bits. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having a good old sword fighty. Well, Barnes is Barnes is fighting Adrian Paul's stunt double a lot because yeah. <laughs> you can totally tell there's a stunt double flipping all over the place, nope. uh, which is pretty good. How did you guys feel about this fight scene? Um, I liked fifty percent of it. Yeah, which fifty percent? Uh, the part that didn't have a barrel, <laughs> a barrel throw, <laughs> uh, and also the part where they just weren't hopping back and forth. On There's trains. a lot of like, hopping back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Like yeah. they're just kind of run around. Uh, the part where it started to get good to me was at some point. It's right after the barrel floor. It's right of, after, immediately after that. Immediately yeah. after that, they they run down like a corridor in between yeah. two like hoop house sort of things, and it's like kind of a cool shot just because it's dramatic looking. Uh, but then suddenly the fight, like the choreography gets like yeah. kind of fast and furious. And really fast. It's Duncan great. goes on the attack. Yeah. It's a Mac attack. It is a Mac attack. <laughs> <laughs> attack. And, oh, oh, of no. course. So let's be real, though. It gets good with the barrel throw. Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> the barrel throw is amazing. The barrel throw is yeah. I saw the they shoot. There's a like an establishing shot of the barrel. Yeah, and my notes just say <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then Barnes grabs the barrel and very slowly, yeah, and very slowly just Donkey Kong's this yeah. barrel. And Duncan's just like, Ugh. he like kind of like <laughs> he literally steps out of the way. Yeah, yeah, like he literally jumps away like someone shot a loogie. At yeah, him. <laughs> he's like, Ugh, gross. And then Barnes follows up this barrel throw with the line, "I spy with my little eye something that is dead." Yeah, <laughs> and then jumps down. I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is this? 
And this one. <laughs> it's me, Quentin Barnes. <laughs> it's me, Quentin Barnes. So at some point, not necessarily in this, not necessarily now, but we need to establish a Megazord of Highlander villains. <laughs> Obviously, Quentin Barnes is the Blue Ranger, That's but right. we need to complete that Megazord. Hmm. I this like is this food for thought for next yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. Not necessarily next time, but we have, we have lots of characters to get through, so I'm, I'm excited to see who, who's going to come up and yeah. going to be part of this team. <laughs> and it's not necessarily the five best. It's, it's just going to be five that fit into this. Mold. Yeah, <laughs> it just has to be the five that complete the Megazord. <laughs> Uh, it's so morphing time, and, and it's worth noting during this he is morphing back and forth between Quentin Barnes and this is, uh, Michael again. Yeah, it's me, yeah. Michael Moore. So there's a lot of heavy acting going on yeah, here. Yeah, and also this guy's sword fighting style like is crazy. Like he was really physical like yeah to the point where it almost looked like he was like flailing like, yeah but i appreciate it like he was really like wild and like big and yeah uh, i i liked it a lot it was awesome so this, the, guy, this actor's working hard i yeah, like this I, guy. I like yeah, this guy too actually yeah. and i still like it i still haven't watched an episode of forever night but after mm-hmm. seeing this episode again and knowing that he's like the star of it i would definitely like be like oh like i'll see more billy like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Billy the Blue Billy. Ranger. Right. Billy Barnes! <laughs> it's me, Billy Barnes. So they end up working their way into some one of these like hoop house sort of things. Yeah. And Duncan finally just kind of gets the upper hand on him. Yeah. Uh this this scene kind of it has like cool lighting. Like it's yeah, kind of all fan, like, like Yeah, the fans like going around. Uh there's a lot of like silhouettes, like you yeah. watch them fight kind of in shadow on the wall which is mm-hmm. cool duncan stabs him and i guess at this point that snaps mr bonds out of his state and michael's like you should kill me because that's the whole point like he michael admits that he never knew what was going on like he truly has some weird split personality right and he's like you have to kill barnes like that's the whole point of this duncan doesn't want to but he's like nope you got to do it and so that's what's gonna happen, uh, and it's got some cool mood. Like it, it, it was very Lynchian to me. Like right before Duncan chops his head off, like all you hear is like the fan, and it's just like, like I don't, I, I love that sort of stuff in David Lynch movies, like where there's just kind of like, and hey, it's kind of like Killer Bob, yeah, like Killer Bob, yeah, and it's just got kind of like sounds in the background, like humming and whirling, and it's like uncomfortable sounding. It's pretty cool. So anyway, Duncan bops his head off. Yeah, that's that, and has a fairly straightforward quickening, but. This this quickening is weird. I have a couple things about this. So I have mentioned this belching sound before. <laughs> this this quickening opens up again with the sound. I want to play a clip to see if you guys think this sounds like a belch at all. <laughs> so here we go. So this is the uh, kind of opening of Duncan's quickening. So it's a l- maybe a little hard to hear because there's like music, there's like the lightning stuff, but I think it's pretty clear when someone burps into uh. the microphone, just like Kyle did. Here we go. <laughs> So, yeah, that is definitely a belt. But then Duncan's... Mr. Mr. Barnes. So Duncan has this pained look on his face, and he's just standing there, and he's raising one arm like he's about to give a fucking soliloquy. 
And then, like, as the quickening goes on, his face, she's, like, kind of making a frowny face. <laughs> then it turns into this weird, like, barfing Marlon Brando face. And he still has the one arm up. And I'm just like, what the fuck is he doing? I mean, I know he has to come up with a quickening every episode. And that must be really tough. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, this one's weird. I, and then he very slowly, as it yeah. ends, like... Lowers well, he, his hand well, down. Yeah. That's when it got weird for me. Was he lowered his hand down to crotch height? Like yeah. he's kneeling and he's just like, and he like mump, he like whispers. He's like, Michael, and it, he's, <laughs> he's got like his hand. I was like, Are you holding your limp dick? And you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Michael, did you see his bar face though? <laughs> I didn't notice that. He's making this face where he's like, like, Bleh. it like looks like he's barfing. I swear to God, you had to go uh, back and watch. We'll have to put this whole it's quickening really on Facebook. Weird. <laughs> this is the weirdest quickening ever. Michael. 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 But this is very sad. And uh, is this the end? Is there anything after Then this? we cut back to the gym, finally, to bring, oh, right. to bring that plot full circle. Which, uh, by the way, third friend. Duncan is killed on this show? Oh, yeah. More yes. than that, right? Uh, no. So, no. He, so he killed Gabriel Pitone. Yes. Yes. He killed who else? And he kills Marcus. Yeah. So he kills two of his friends, and now we've got number three. He's yep. just racking up bodies. And, yeah. he's, and he's lost Darius, yeah. so he lost another friend. Yeah, this is dark times for This Mac. is dark times. And also, yeah. to, to heed the words of Tess uh, from The Beast Below, enlightened societies don't kill the insane. They treat them. Right. Duncan's just like flop, like gone with your head. Like, well, Tess isn't around right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this guy's literally begging for death. I yeah. guess so. And he's very dangerous. Yeah, this is and true. So crazy, is Ursa, and he's been crazy since the twenties. Ursa's that, been crazy forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Ursa thing I agree with because he's a murderer who never paid for his crime. <laughs> like. <laughs> This Mr. Actually, yeah, in a way, Barnes actually has paid for his crime. Yeah, yeah. he was at least executed and was underground and for 30 years. For 30 years. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah. just killed like six more people. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. bad news. He did. Uh, he's, he's a bad guy. It's tricky, though. Like, this insanity thing is like, that always, we saw it with uh, Gregor. Like, you know, yeah. not necessarily a bad guy. And especially with Michael. Like, this right. is clearly like two different people mm-hmm. almost. Like, and it's like, well. Well, at the very least, Gregor didn't actually murder somebody, even though he kind of tried to sure. help kill people in a way. Yeah. Hey guys, if you liked us on Facebook, you totally should. If uh, you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes or Stitcher, do that too and leave us a nice review. Like these amazing people. We want to thank Holly Max 79, Corey Hames Pizza Delivery, uh, MW2 Gun Guru, uh, CCFMDS, Eric of the Dead, Warren Seeker, Ken Shear of Fist, Flash Fan Number One, Prefab Doombot, K Spinelli, and Killdozer88 for their awesome five star reviews. Guys, we haven't gotten a chance to thank you for your five star reviews yet on the show, but it's really great. We really appreciate the kind and encouraging words. Uh, and thanks everybody out there for listening. So, especially Prefabricated Doombot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. That's pretty That's good. good. Hey, and if you uh, give us a review, we'll thank you on the show in a future episode, too. So now we're back at the gym, and Mac is actually doing the martial arts routine that is featured in the opening credits, where he, like, kicks the window into an explosion. Right. I actually like this sequence. It's It's cool. It's really long, but Uh, I like it. And they use some of the footage, like, 
six times. Yeah, they yeah. they, they just, just keep yeah. replaying. Serious padding. Yeah. And then they put it through like various kaleidoscope kind of filters. Yeah. And also, my main note is that Duncan is a cat again. Yeah. Because he's literally yeah. making hissing sounds yeah. over. He's going. <laughs> <laughs> As he's like just doing these routines, it's I found it very funny, honestly. But <laughs> it, it's it's silly, but I liked it. He's a sweaty mess, though. And yeah, yeah, he's like super ripped. All I could think about actually was my mom, because like, and I like people that gross. Think, no, oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, no, it's like, uh, well, she always was like, Duncan's a beefcake, and it's like, yeah, this is the scene where you're like, yeah, Duncan's a beefcake, like doing all sorts of weird naked martial arts. Uh, <laughs> weird naked martial arts. That's what the style's called, right? That's weird right. naked yep. style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it like it, it does. It's actually weird... called Monkey Grabs Peach. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but then it does some like it does some weird like split screen thing. Yeah, uh, where there's two Duncans. There's two Duncans, and I was like, that's oh. the weird kaleidoscope thing. Well, it's so yeah, weird. and it's like, oh, like is this supposed to be symbolic of like a dual nature? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of, I think it's supposed they, to be. Yeah, I think that's what they were doing. But they were really? like, we need to turn like two minutes of footage into five minutes of footage. I to get this thing. Over. They were just like, we can do this cool camera thing during this. Let's do it. So and then, we're out of money. They yeah, were out of money. So then Joe shows up, and yeah. so to, to, to say nothing, yeah. Joe just drops in on a place that isn't his, that he's not a member to, to say nothing. Yep. Well, yep. He's just checking Mac out. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. His, I, know I got kitty, to the watching business yeah <laughs> uh but yeah two things like I'm what how this. does joe get in here at all and how does duncan get in like does he have keys he's like, a member now does that mean you get i mean i don't know how private gyms work do you get keys to a private gym is that part of their he's, privateness like yeah. they're so elite and invite only that like he's you're trusted a, with he's I, a, I guess today you'd have like a fob probably yeah. he got a key he got a gym bag he got a little t-shirt <laughs> He he's not wearing the yards. t-shirt here, though. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. So it ends with Mac... Working up a sweat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mac wishes Michael eternal peace. Mm-hmm. And no, that's like, the, the end the, of... The Joe Dawson interaction is puzzling. Yeah. Joe just shows up, and he's like, oh, you know, I lost a friend. And he's like, so did I. Yeah. And, and that Joe it. leaves. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. like, she just came to say, like, oh, Josh! Yeah. Well, Josh! He says, I lost a friend, and then Duncan hisses, like... <laughs> For 30 seconds. And then as Joe's leaving, he's like, hey, Joe, me too. <laughs> Do you think Joe's supposed to be showing up to kind of put a little blame on Mac? I... Like, you said you weren't going to help me and this is what happened. But also, I would argue that Mac said he wasn't going to help and then kind of helped 10 minutes later. Like, yeah. like how much time went by before Mac... I don't know. Was invo- like was involved that Josh died. I don't know. I don't know how we're Like, I couldn't blame Mac for this. this. It's yeah. weird. We say that so much about this. Yep. This is weird. Yep. <laughs> it is It is very weird. Yeah, that's the episode. That's the episode. So I have something I want to posit about the last two episodes we've watched. And this is a theory I had before. All right. How every set of two episodes, and this kind of, my theory is kind of defunct because of the Watchers episode. Although I guess you could argue that the Watcher episode is coupled with the Hunters. Mm-hmm. So let's take this episode and the one previous. What was it called? Uh, uh, study of studies Light. In, <laughs> studies in Light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say, so let's take this episode and the episodes Studies in Light. Let's look at the similarities here. You have an old friend of Duncan's coming back from the past in both episodes. Right. Both of these old friends are doctors. And both of them have this weird mental problem that turns them against Duncan and makes them like an enemy. I feel like 
every two episodes, there's some similar thread. And then in Saving Grace, there's like Grace is an old girlfriend. And then the next episode is the lady and the tiger. Amanda's an old girlfriend. Do you think yeah, there is this odd thread? And there's even and there's, like weird little symbol related threads like right. that. We kind of ragged on it. But that like weird photography beat in the uh, park before they had the first flashback of the episode. The entire last episode was about two photographers and they very prominently feature this photography moment. I've noticed it a bunch and I want to go back to season one and find more because I know there are that's more. That's interesting. But do you think that could be – do you think that's like a writing strategy? Do you think they, they pitch like a very general idea to two like to a, two writers and are yeah. like, come up with stories about this and they have thematically very similar things? I don't know. It's That's very strange. Yeah. I just – I keep noticing it. So I'm going to point it out in the future we'll if have to it ask, happens again. Let's well, ask, ask David about that. Yeah. Maybe you've, you've uncracked the code. The Da Vinci Uncracked Code. It. Uncracked it? You've, you've, you've in fact, encrypted it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> unlocked. I combine unlocked and cracked. Mm. Uncracked. All right. So if I do rewrite this episode a little bit, Highlander rewrite, I guess I was, I don't know. This, this episode is weird. <laughs> it's so, very weird. Like, I... It's like a, it's like psycho. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not sure. Uh, one of the things I do like about this show is like the moral core. Uh, as we get deeper and deeper into it, and Abramowitz talked about that's what he liked about the show as well. Uh, we have that in common. Hey. <laughs> um, but I was kind of wondering this whole time. I was like, what's the moral question in this show? Like yeah. in this episode, and I was struggling to kind of figure that out. Like I don't know what the question is it's just a weird jekyll and hyde sort of mystery thing that gets revealed do you or don't you throw a barrel <laughs> you do or do or do a barrel roll <laughs> to do a barrel roll press z uh-uh, twice ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was always fun um it, it struck me kind of at the end of the episode when when duncan's doing his like kata moves and like it goes into split screen i was like oh like they're they're playing with some duality thing and i was like well there's an episode like duality but like mm. they never explain they never delve into that at all no uh no, it's, it's just psycho yeah yeah um so i i wish kind of they maybe explored like does duncan have two sides does, does everyone have two sides and like mm -hmm. and it's about how do you control that other side like you know what i mean like i don't know maybe uh, there could be a great uh, we've talked about how tests i'm just brainstorming off the top of my head now like Tess and Richie have not done too much this mm -hmm. episode. And it's like, hey, maybe Richie has a run, like a subplot where he runs into like some like old friends and like who knows what. But like maybe Richie's got a temper problem and wants to fight or you know what I mean? Like, and it's, he's Marty McFly. Yeah, exactly. No, like exactly that sort of like very simplistic sort of story arc you could take the character on. But it would at least demonstrate it's like, well, everyone has two sides and you get to choose which one you either show to the world or how you treat that other side or, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's territory here that is worth exploring. And I don't think Barnes is necessarily like, I, I feel like this Jekyll and Hyde plot is not awful or anything. Like this seems like, okay, episodic TV. I don't think this is great or anything, but there's something more that could have been done here. And I think they didn't do it. So Eamon, your thoughts. I don't really have any, I mean, I think it's just, this episode was all about, the twist a la and what the twist Shyamalan that's right it's just like oh this guy was the bad guy all along I don't know oh I was just gonna say it's also hard for me to like I feel like we all eventually saw this this twist being telegraphed also like right. I've seen this episode before uh it took me like maybe 10 minutes to remember kind of what oh, I was like oh yeah this episode like I remember yeah. what's happening uh, but I feel like even if this was a new episode like you would see the twist coming fairly early on like by halfway probably I don't sure. know sure 
Yeah, I was uh, about halfway through. I did not have an independent recollection of this episode, but about halfway through, I was like, oh, it's him. But I feel like there were other ways to have a twist added in. And the thing that I was kind of hoping for, that they went a different direction on. So it takes a while before they reveal that Michael has always been Quentin Barnes. What if, and this was the theory that I had. This is good. That Quentin Barnes does kill this girl at some point. I suppose there are two ways you could go. Either sometime in the 40s, Michael catches up with Quentin Barnes and he's so consumed with revenge that, you know, he kills him and then effectively becomes him. Either as a result of the quickening or just like the, the mental anguish of doing it. Or maybe the story that they tell is true. Like Quentin Barnes is an independent person who gets executed who is dug up by construction workers. And then that yell that you hear is Michael taking down Quentin Barnes. Like he actually beats him. And when they open the door, who falls out, but dead Quentin Barnes, not that watcher. And then for whatever reason, Michael, either because of his like obsession with vengeance and the fact that his life no longer has meaning or because of the quickening overpowers him assumes Quentin Barnes's, I think either version of that might be a little more, compelling that's what i was gonna kind of hinting at like i don't know like again in our we were living in 2016 like and we saw this plot coming kind of a mile away if this was 1993 maybe would i have not been as surprised i'm not sure like just the television culture at the time would this have been more of a twist but that's exactly what i was thinking that i wish they had telegraphed that this would be the twist it's like oh it's a jekyll and hyde thing and then it's not or it's not the version of jekyll and hyde you'd imagine i like your interpretation kyle Uh, I like that he would be maybe driven by vengeance and took up this mantle just because it gave his life meaning to kind of perpetuate this this search for vengeance. Ooh, that's a Highlander uh, Mm -hmm. DVD. Search for vengeance. The search for vengeance. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think that would be a much more compelling episode and interesting. Yeah, I mean, even if there wasn't a twist, like what if Moore hated Barnes so much because of maybe he saw some of himself in Barnes, like with Barnes's hatred of how like he thinks women are leading him on and like more might maybe like more shares some of these feelings. I don't know. Like maybe there doesn't have to be a twist. Right. It could be two characters. I don't know. Yeah. And we we also talked about like I I remember in season one with uh, what's Reinhardt. That we were mm-hmm. like, that was one of the first villains we were like, oh, this would be an interesting, like, season-long villain. Like, you could go another direction with this character and maybe even have people suspicious of Michael Moore's, like, intentions. And it's like, maybe mm-hmm. Duncan thinks, like, no, you're, you're messed up. Like, none of us have ever seen him. The Watchers haven't. He's like, no, this is real. Yeah. And we could maybe revisit this character every couple episodes and maybe Barnes is real and we see him at the end. Like, that's another version of this story that would be at least better than this like that would be amazing if duncan and this guy scrap because duncan's like no like barnes isn't real right and then they fight and like you know because barnes is clearly some crazy mastermind and the the reveal could be that barnes finally reveals himself and kills michael and it's like that's the season finale it's like oh look forward to season three's villain barnes like and duncan's now got to find barnes and take him out because he's real and duncan's nonchalantness about it cost his friend's life Uh (laughs) uh-oh Maybe Michael Moore is making an expose documentary about <laughs> <Yeah>. immortals. <laughs> Maybe the villain of season three is just global warming. <laughs> 
No, sorry, that's just the plot of Highlander 2. Oh my god. Uh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Watcher Chronicles this episode. Uh, not too much interesting stuff, although the Chronicle for Mr. Michael Moore is pretty amazing. Again, in its writing style, and the dark past they reveal is fantastic. Uh, so, mild-mannered Michael Moore and depraved serial killer Quentin Barnes, one and the same guy. Who would have thought? In hindsight, I guess it's obvious to me. The clues were all there. Watchers losing track of more. Other watchers far away picking up on the Barnes trail, only to lose him again. Then we lost more for over 30 years. The same 30 years Barnes lay murdered uh, after trying in the electric chair for murdering two young women. I'm no shrink, but looking back over Michael Moore's early records, it's probable he had some serious mental disorders before his first death. He was taken from an orphanage at a young age and ill-used by his foster family. Perhaps even sexually abused. Uh, Yikes. Whoa. That's casual. (laughs) Very casual. His first death was clearly an act of desperation. A suicide. This is so dark. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Imagine what it must be like to come back from a death like that to find out you can't die, no matter how much you want to, to realize you're trapped for an eternity with your demons. Wow. No wonder the guy went nuts. Who is this watcher? An asshole. <laughs> this is the most unsympathetic watcher ever. Yep. Jeez. Louise. Yikes. Pretty rough stuff, guys. Oof. Rough stuff. Uh, but also, we all, uh, I think we appreciated some stuff in this episode. Yeah. Not all of it. It's There's kind a of an episode. Yeah. Uh, I like Billy. I like Billy, Billy's too. good. Uh, well, thank you so much, everybody out there, for listening to this week's episode of Highlander Rewatched, episode three turn about join us next week when the episode is the darkness tbd <laughs> i don't remember what the name is i don't we'll plug it in later uh thanks for listening i've been one of your rewatchers i'm keith this is kyle this is Layman. bye-bye see you night it's wet isn't it <laughs> That's what she said. (laughs) Well, Clinton Barnes is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Oh, no, no, no.